Draft Crafters, and it's the evening, JP. You know what that means, right? We try to open cans and miss. You, sir, struggled Dude. mightily with opening just clip, that. I can. forgot that I, I forgot that I just clipped my nails, and so like you know, when you you have a little bit of nail, you can get up underneath it, and I can't. I gotta get the finger under it, and my fingers weren't ready. Dude, you push down on the mouth part, and the tab pokes up. Yeah, well, I didn't do that very well. You don't do that. You push right here, and then you look beautiful. Graceful as always. Yeah, hey, look at this. I even sprayed more beer all over the computer. See, you, know, you are good at that. Thing. Yep. And that is your thing. Is excited, happy beers. So. Well. Yeah. I christen. Is that the word I'm looking for? I christen yes. my laptop every time. You. Well, and again, usually you're only christening something the first time, but you know, hey, you you roll with it with what we do here. So. Mm -hmm. That being said, we're rolling into our latest college show, which means we need to kind of. Have a oh, peek good at Lord, some that players is that we haven't talked about. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna talk about whatever that uniqueness is that you have right now a little later on in the show. But let's uh, start off with again the way we're doing a rotation show. You gonna be okay? That that's uh, not a happy face right now, sir. Yeah. Do we need to talk we'll about the talk beer about first? It. Okay. Nah. Let it, let it breathe. Maybe let it breathe and see what happens. But uh, yeah, so we've been doing things again. Last week we wow. did our kind of updated big board. So that means this week. We're doing some little mini dives. We've each got a 12-pack of players that we haven't talked much about or that we've needed to kind of refresh a talk on. Uh, but we'll do them relatively quick. This isn't the deep dive episode. That's next week. We'll get in a little bit more in-depth with probably like six players each. But uh, who would you like to start off with on your 12 there, sir? Uh, well, as you, you know, set me up here, these are some guys that we most likely have already talked about. Uh, so I'm going to revisit uh, my guy, Michael Pratt. Okay. Uh, and spoiler alert. I decided to do three quarterbacks this time around because Ew. on the one of the last episodes, we both kind of talked about how, you know, now that we believe quite a few of these people are going back to school, um, outside of the top six, it's kind of up for grabs. So I decided to do a little bit of a dive on some of the teams that I cover and their quarterbacks. So there's my intro. I shall start out with Michael Pratt from Tulane. Uh -huh. Okay. So, you know, I'm starting out with him because outside of the obvious picks, I still think he's probably my the favorite next. guy from that. Yeah. From the obvious like six or so. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say like he, the first game, I was like, okay, you know what I mean? And then, then he, right. you know, he was doing okay, but then he started to trail off a little bit around the six, seven, eight week or whatever mark somewhere right. in that ballpark. Um, but when you look at it, his entire season as a whole, you know, it, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was like inconsistent by any means. He did pretty darn well, 22 mm -hmm. touchdowns versus five turnovers. And I guess we can talk about the whole season outside of a bowl game if they made it. Right. Um, and, you know, he, he's, I guess, athletic enough. I mean, it's hard to tell when how many rushing yards some of these quarterbacks really get unless they're a pure, right. like, dual-threat quarterback because sometimes if they're not rushing the ball and they get sacked a few times, it says <laughs> they have negative 50 yards rushing. Right, yeah. So who knows, but he's right around the 300-yard rushing mark. He's got five rushing touchdowns on top of the 22 passes. So, I mean, he, he can get it done, and I would say as a whole what kind of impressed me was – I did not think that Tulane was going to continue to be, you know, a pretty darn good football team. 
after losing my guy Tajay Spears. Like I would not know sure. who Michael Pratt was had I not been <laughs> such a Tajay Spears fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I do know who he is, and I while I do think he's probably you know the next guy after the obvious picks, I will say that the bowl game that they're in, assuming he's going to play, because I can't keep up to date on that, is going <laughs> to say a lot for his draft stock. Because ending the season with the only loss of the year and one touchdown and one pick, well, he had a rushing touchdown, but one passing touchdown and one interception is not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, it's not the way you want to leave the lasting impression on everybody. So we'll, well see. Uh, he's he's a he's a good quarterback. He's got the six two two hundred allegedly, decent mm-hmm. size. I mean. The only Go bowl ahead, you might be it. seeing him in is the Senior Bowl because he's not playing in the. Uh, yeah, and that's kind of what I mean. Game. Yeah, and I don't. I, I say bowl because I don't know what to call the Senior Bowl anymore. It's not a <laughs> the, Senior Bowl. The NFL Preview Bowl. Yeah, and I don't even know if he's playing. And like I say, I don't know what these guys are. No, we talked about anymore, this, dude. But it's the Draft Craft Bowl. This is okay. I like. I like where your head's at, <laughs> but. Uh, I don't know. I hope I get to see more of him outside of just the combine and pro day. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, I mean, yeah, he had his worst game of the entire season as the last game. That's what I'm getting at. Right. And you, you don't want that. That's not the lasting impression no. you want to leave. But, again, when we look at these quarterbacks, like you and I both believe, and I think a lot of people do too, like there's six quarterbacks that could go in the first two rounds. And we might hear another quarterback till the fourth round or later. Who knows? So it'll be yeah. interesting to see how all things go for him in that pre-draft evaluation. So quarterback that I'm going to talk about is also in the back half of that crew because unlike uh, unlike your boy from Tulane, this is a guy that's kind of a known commodity, but we haven't really talked about too much. And I'm not going to say anything you know wowing anybody on this, but this is a dude who has potential to be anywhere between the 7th and the 12th quarterback taken, depending on how things work out. And that's Joe Milton from Tennessee. So Milton, we know from our, we know him from Michigan and also Tennessee. We know him as a guy that hasn't been able to hold down a starting job until this season. And in this season, we, sh- he, we showed exactly what we've always thought he was, which is a cannon for an arm. The guy can just flick the ball and it goes 50 yards. That's kind of like a cannon where it's a bit inconsistent. It's a bit all over the place. Uh, the dude has crazy size and athleticism, so he can certainly be like a um, a running quarterback as well, like an Anthony Richardson style where you're going to use his legs as much as you use the rest of them. The difference is Richardson had 13 starts, and I think Milton's had about 30 and uh, so over the course of five seasons or whatever. Uh, the guy, I mean, look, he can climb the pocket. He does have awareness. It's just he's too inconsistent as a passer to be in the top flight. There was talk of him as the Heisman buzz early in the year when they were playing easy teams, and as soon as the competition got ratcheted up, his numbers got ratcheted down. Uh, he's also not a guy who's going to look to uh, to necessarily you know, throw the ball when he gets flushed out of the pocket. He's going to run. So this is a runner that plays quarterback is kind of what it feels like, but he's also 6'5 and like 240 or something crazy like that. So he's a huge dude at that position. So someone is going to take a chance on him in one of the later rounds. I feel like he's going to be a fourth or fifth round pick, maybe even later than that. But it just kind of feels like someone's going to take a crack at him to be a developmental quarterback in the NFL. Well, you know, it definitely doesn't help that he's, you know, been in college for like two decades. But uh, where do you think I have him ranked on my QB list? 17th. Oh, I have him a little higher than that. I got him at 15. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, gotcha. But I have, I have Michael Pratt at seven, so take that. Hey, you know what the <laughs> funny right. part is? You know, they, they're only they winning two points of each other on the whole PFF thing. <laughs> I don't well, know how not much you love on, that. Not on JPFF. 
<laughs> nice. Does that work? <laughs> Ish. All right. Ish. Like I say, I got I got three quarterbacks here, so I'm gonna continue on the trend. QB sure. two on my list, not QB two overall by any means. Actually, if you're curious, he is currently ranked as QB ten okay. on my list. This is Sam Hartman mm-hmm. of Notre Dame. I don't know the guy's been okay. around for a minute. He has been around for a minute or two. Uh, since 2018, I think. That's like the same as Joel Milton, right? Yeah, pretty much. Haven't they both mm-hmm. been in since 2018? I think so. Yeah. So here's the thing. Hartman, 24 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Uh, not quite as mobile as, you know, Michael Pratt on the ground. It is what it is. But um, I don't know. Like, it, it's it's strange. His first, like, four games, three of his first four games of the year, this guy was on fire, Dan. Yeah. Like on fire is like, oh man, like going to Notre Dame was a smart decision <laughs> for him. Right. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the next, I don't know, six or seven games, he fell off the map. Like, yep. I mean, was bad. Like, pretty darn bad. Let me just break this down. <laughs> well, okay. Let me keep going. And then he finished the two, one of the last two. Even the last game wasn't awful, but it wasn't great. But the second to last game is pretty good, which I think was a revenge game. Uh, yeah, but anyway, Wake Forest action. Yeah. So if you look at his first four games, dude threw 13 touchdowns, right? Mm-hmm. Then in the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, something like that. I can't do the math that quick. He's thrown like he threw five in like seven games. And in those seven games, he also threw like nine interceptions. So yes, in like nine interceptions, and then he. He rebounded at the end with a four against Wake Forest, the revenge game, four touchdowns, zero picks, and then a Stanford two-touchdown, one pick. But here's what I got to say. So the first four games, he's on fire. He's playing Navy. He's playing Tennessee State. He's playing NC State. He's playing fire up chips. Sorry for picking on you, but it (laughs) happened. And then at the end, his revenge game against Wake Forest. Yeah, cool. He tore those teams up. He was awful against you know your Ohio states and southern cals and louisville's and even duke mm-hmm. like so i don't know man like maybe maybe i get, 10 might be too high for him i don't i don't know it's tough to say it seems like he can beat up the teams he's supposed to and that's about it well he also had two good years with wake before this which is why people were curious Sweet. to see how this season was gonna but go wake, but wake's not playing a whole lot of tough competition either which is why well, i thought he made the jump continuing to dump on the acc that's right you demon deacon but he came <laughs> here for to prove a point and i'm just trying point to proven. highlight that i think he just missed the mark yeah no i think he would agree with you actually if you sat him down and said is this the season you expected to have he'd be like no started out great finished all right, right. the meat of the sandwich not right so the bread Fire was away. okay all right, so jumping over to the running back side of things, you've mentioned this guy. I don't know if you've actually done a dive on him or not, but it's a name that we've oh. heard for the last couple seasons coming out. I'm really enjoying your face and your noises with this beer. You know, on occasion, I didn't I mean cut it, out. dude. No, you're I good. Apologize. On occasion, I did not want to do that over your take, but you know what? You know what? This beer That's tastes like in. the middle. It tastes like the middle of Sam Hartman's season. <laughs> Ah, rancid meat. Wow. Awesome. All right. I'm still looking forward to your take on that. We're, we're still well away from that. But uh, so the continued buildup to this beer is 
It's gonna be so much fun. All right, so Ugh. I'm gonna talk I'm gonna about crush a guy. this and get a new one shortly. No, so you know. no, you gotta you gotta save a little bit of it for the take, man. You gotta have one. <sighs> the last sip needs to be while you're about to talk about it, so it's fresh, and so you can really embrace it. All right, so the guy that I'm talking about may or may not be coming out this year. Uh, I've tried to limit it and limit those takes to where it's mostly just guys that are coming out. I haven't heard one way or the other on him yet. I probably should have checked again right before the game, but uh, that is a man from Clemson by the name of Will Shipley. And that is a player that you have talked about quite positively. I have enjoyed him. They're saying he's going to play a late round game. Yeah, for a late round guy, yeah, I, right. Yeah, I'm in. And that's the thing, because again, when you look at Shipley, he is a a five eleven, two hundred five pound guy, so about the size you're expecting. the The reason why we're talking about him last year he had eleven hundred yards on the ground, this year only eight hundred, but he also only had two hundred fifteen snaps as uh, he missed a game here or there and just kind of didn't do as much because Clemson as a whole didn't do as much. But here's what we know about this guy: he is he is got translatable skills to the NFL because in his last couple of seasons, he had 37 catches, 27 catches this past year. So he's run for almost a thousand yards, two years in a row. And he's caught a handful of passes at least a couple of times. So what he's shown is that he has the ability to do both of those things. And from watching just a little bit on him is like, he's, he's shown that he's got the good hands, but he also shows that he's willing to lower his head. He's willing to go through contact in the middle. He'll take the ball up the middle. Uh, and he's hard to bring down, not necessarily in some of the ways that some of the bigger backs are hard to bring down, but he's hard to bring down because you can hit him and he's not going to go down. You can wrap him and he's going to find a way to slither out of it. So he's got that shiftiness uh, and good balance that makes it difficult. So he is a player that you're going to see picked if he comes out this year. I think he would probably be best served, especially because he has some name recognition for hanging around another year, taking his NIL money, going from there. But if he does come out, he will be somebody that gets taken in like the fifth round that everyone is hyped about for next year in the NFL. Yeah, because of the name recognition. He, he, fifth round, he could happen. It's probably where he should. I was thinking fourth, but maybe the name recognition got to me as well. But again, that's another reason why it might be a good idea for him to hang around for another year, see if he can get another year with Clemson and put better numbers up there. Because his numbers went there down this year, partially because he wasn't doing he didn't have as many snaps, but still. Yeah, I don't I can't disagree with that take. All right, QB number three on my list. He hasn't been around quite as long as the some of the other players we talked about, but he has he is like a fifth year guy. Uh, I'm talking about Talia Tagovailoa now. Ah, and now we're starting to talk about now, like now wondering. Let me see where Talia. That's how you say it, right? Talia. Talia. Yeah, I usually say Talia. I put a little more of an emphasis on the the front end, of it, but yeah, uh, he's. I I do have him above Sam Hartman, but not above sure. Michael Pratt. I have him at the Gordy Howe mark. I think that's um, a safe spot for, for him. For those of you who are not. Hockey fans, <laughs> that is a number nine. Right. It's a Drew Brees. <laughs> All right. So here's the thing. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of Maryland football be, living in Big Ten country. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And especially because he's been around for a minute. But um, is it strange to say, even though nine's not awful, and I think that's fair, I was expecting to, like, do a little bit of a, a, a I guess, a statistical dive into him. So that's kind of my angle today. I feel like I'm always doing yeah. eye test and what I see on tape. And now I'm trying because it's funny we did the opposite clo- this week. Yeah, the season's at a close, and I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. let's go back and let's see what's on the back of their football card. That's what I did when I was a kid. You know, you always study <laughs> yeah. stats on the football cards back yeah. when that's all you could do. Yep, that's all you could do. Uh, I was expecting to be more impressed with him. 
Sure. Um, he's definitely like he had some. He had like the one zinger game where he, he crushed Indiana. Yeah. But um, lit him up. Yeah. I mean, he's he's got a little bit of where he, a disappearing act at times too, but not so much. Not as bad as Sam Hartman. I mean, Talia still. I mean. I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, I want to say, like, he played good against Michigan State, but Michigan State mm-hmm. was terrible this year. Yes, he looked awful against Ohio State. Yeah, he beat the doors off from Indiana. He had a very he beat doors off from Towson. Towson. What's that one? Remember the Ta- season started? Uh, I was like, I, yeah. could, I, I didn't even know that existed. Okay. <laughs> um, and then he had okay games versus Northwestern Rutgers, but uh, twenty-five touchdowns, eleven picks. You know, he is not your rushing quarterback no. necessarily, despite him looking like he's – and I think that was part of it. He looks like he airs it out a lot more than he does. He looks like he's way more mobile than he does. But when you look back at the stats, like I don't feel like it really backs that up. But mm-hmm. I think it's just like the games – it must have stick out to me when he has these really good games because like – I was like, man, he he can open up an offense. He does the West Coast style offense. He's got mm-hmm. great completion percentage. But then I started looking at the back of the football card, if you will. I'm like, yeah, well, he's got some games where he's got 77% completion percentage, 74, 70. Well, guess what? He's also got some he's got a 58 burger in there. He's got mm-hmm. a 63 in there. Yeah, he's got a couple 63s in there. So He's he's a bit of a roller coaster ride too here, so he's definitely not Tua. No, sad, but I, I like I I don't know. You said you're excited that I bring up people you like, so you talk about him for a second. Well, and again, and he's, I, I, dude is he's been consistent his last three seasons. The one thing you can say for him is he's been solidly consistent his last three seasons. He's been right around... He hasn't improved, though, which is always a bit of a concern. In his three years of being a full-time starter at Maryland, he had, you know, between 66-68% completion percentage, between 3,000 and 3,800 yards, between 18 and 26 touchdowns, between 8 and 11 interceptions. The interception number is a bit concerning that it stayed up there, you know, three seasons in a row. So we know who he is. (laughs) Exactly. And he is... I think the ninth-ish best quarterback makes sense. That's coming out because again, there's other guys that would be ahead of him if they were coming out. They're not. So, but he is, which is a probably player. a career backup. I don't see this as being yes. a developmental starter. He, he strikes me, unless he cleans up some stuff. Yeah, he strikes me as a guy that is going to be a a third stringer, maybe a second, depending on the the team he goes to. And until which is the same depending with who he gets paired up with, right? Yeah. But uh, if you ask Pratt, me, who had? I got a little bit of sure. hope for Pratt. I do a little bit of hope for Pratt as well. But if you ask me who had a higher ceiling between Tagovailoa and Hartman, I'd say Tagovailoa. Just because I feel like if he can clean up the picks, he might have something to work with. But it's going to depend on what team he goes to, what coaching he gets, and whether or not he takes it. And that's the thing. It's like, it's always tempting when there's, you know, a brother that's doing as well as his brother is right now to say, oh, well, this guy could be just like him. He's not. He's still good. He obviously, he's been good enough to start at Maryland. He's, he's set, I think, the Big Ten yardage record because he's thrown so many passes at that school and been there for so long. Uh, so, again, it's obvious that he's not a bad quarterback, but how good is he is the question, and I think nine is a good spot for him. Yeah, I think nine's perfect too, Dan. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, well, my next one, I'm, gonna, I'm only doing one quarterback. Continue to move through the list. Quick little hitter on a guy that you and I have not talked about much because we didn't want to, because he's on a team we don't like, and because his teammate was better. 
but a lot of people are convinced this dude can still be a first-round draft pick, and that is Emeka Ekbuka with Ohio State, six foot one, two hundred pound guy that everyone knows his name. And then I watched his highlights again for this year, and it, uh, they're brief because <laughs> this is yep. a player that just didn't have a ton going on. I mean, I'm not trying to be rude. He's obviously good. We saw what he did last year. But there's always the concern that when a player just doesn't have as good of a season, you know, from one year to the next, there's a why. And again, we talked to this for other players. It's the case here as well. Why? Why did uh, Agbuka have the season he did? He went from last year having 106 targets and 74 catches now, admittedly, he missed three games this year, so there is that, three, four games this year. So I, I acknowledge that, but even then, he still had half the number of catches and a little less than half tight end, the, the touchdowns. And it's just, it seemed like he either wasn't getting open as much, they weren't looking at him as much. I don't know uh, exactly what the rationale was for why he wasn't used as much or why he didn't seem like he, he had as much going on when he was there. But the thing is, is like, this is a guy who's not afraid of contact. He runs a good route tree, at least on the underneath routes. He finds spots in zone. I'm questioning his speed. I don't know what that is because I can't remember what people have talked about it, but it doesn't seem like they used him you know, as a guy going over the top at all. Uh, he looks like he could be a good possession receiver. He's capable of jet sweep, stuff like that. He, he's, he's able to adjust to catches because he had to do that with McCord throwing him the ball <laughs> this past season. So it's clear that the tools are there. But that's where the interview piece is going to be so huge, in my opinion, for this guy at the combine and going forward because teams are going to be like, so what happened this year? And he can say it's an injury thing. Sure, that's fine. I mean, you know, Ninja had that all last year, right? He can say whatever, but you went from having 75 catches to 35 catches, and you didn't miss enough time for me to make that as the only reason for it. So what was it that put him in the in the position that he's in now to where people have questions about a guy that should have been right next to Marvin Harrison Jr. as a great, as a great uh, receiving option? See, I just think my quick take on him is I'm just – when you're talking about somebody going in the first round, like I as a wide mm-hmm. receiver, I want to believe that that wide receiver is QB proof. Sure. I think that kind of self-explanatory, and I think mm-hmm. what we have proved is that I don't know that he's QB proof. Sure. I mean, there there were ga- plays. He had a better season than the book had a better season, but there were games and plays that I had seen where I thought Julian Fleming almost looked better. <laughs> right, He's yeah. the third wide receiver on the team. No, so it's Not like, anymore. Hey. He just transferred. So looking right. forward to him not being having somebody Michigan has to deal with next year. But that's the thing. Again, uh, we look, we talk about other guys. Like Marvin Harrison is quarterback proof. He proved that by yes. being the only guy that made plays for them at certain times throughout the season. All right. Well, you got a beautiful segue for me because guess what? <laughs> I did three quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And I did three wide receivers, so I'm just going to stay on this wide receiver okay. train that you started here. What do you got? Um, a guy that we, uh, so I, you know, I wish I had these guys ranked, but I haven't ranked <laughs> anybody outside of what do we do our top 64. And he was like mm-hmm. one of my like top 10 guys who just missed the cut, so he could find okay. this guy could find himself. Unlike the other two, I'm going to talk about this guy could find himself inside that top 64. Mm-hmm. When it's all said and done, but talking about Mr. Malachi Corley, mm-hmm. um, and I, dude, I just saw something about the bowl game too, and he is gonna play, but his quarterback's not right. Is that was a it good said? sign to see what's going on. Yeah, because I want to see if he can still make some moves without the starting QB. We'll see the whole QB proof conversation. But here's the thing, right. Malachi well, they already had their game. 
Did they play it? Oh, they did. Yeah, because yeah, we got that. They barely won it. How do you do? They barely I won. I forgot it. to look. Yeah. Because their well, their uh, their redshirt freshman quarterback came in and had, had himself a day. Grass. That was against Old Dominion, correct? That was Old Dominion. Old Dominion went up 28-7. Yeah, the OT game. Yeah, yeah he only had like four grabs they, and minimal yards, I think. No, but when you look at what, uh, and again, he probably wasn't pushing himself anyways too much, but when you look at what he did do with what he had to work, I mean, uh, it was still an impressive, crazy game for them to win the way that they did in overtime. When you, when you look at the box score, uh, Veltkamp went 40 of 52 for five and five touchdowns. So be quite curious to see him as he goes forward. But Corley, yeah, four catches, 26 yards. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me if they used him as a decoy a lot in that game. And but be that as it may, I mean, I'm just talking about him what I see here. I mean, you could say he had a bit of a down year from the year prior, he had two less games, but um, mm-hmm. the he only has 79 receptions versus 100. But the thing is, is he still were was getting each catch at about the same clip. And sure. he got the exact same amount of touchdowns and less opportunities. So his right. touchdown per reception was up. Yards per reception, pretty even. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at the end of the day, he showed some consistency, at least in my book, for two years in a row. And even if you go back to 2021, three years ago, he still was pretty solid. He had 73 gra- grabs. You're right. talking about a guy who's got, like, 260 receptions in the last three years. That mm-hmm. is, and you're talking, what is it, 29 touchdowns? And he even gets involved in a little bit of the running game, not a ton. But well, and again, he's I don't built know. Like he's a he's got some, he's built like a running back. He's got some gadget to him. He's your nice under the knee type guy that, you know, can allow a, someone else to take the top off a of defense. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I like him. I just, I Same. do. I feel like he's got a lot of versatility. I feel like he's one of those guys who knows how to get open. Like he just knows how to play football, and he's like your—he's never going to be your star wide receiver, but he's kind of like your your QB's like safety net, like QB's mm-hmm. best friend type wide receiver. He is—he is a slot know. man. Yeah. For so however long I, he wants I, to do that. I really like this guy, and he stuffed the stat sheet, which is what I want to see when you're not at <laughs> one of those premier schools. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the way he plays football, man. So sure. yeah, like I say, I'm a fan. He—I guess according to my rankings, I have him as a third round pick. Where mm-hmm. the wide receivers are going this year, he could go on the second round easy. We'll see. Sure. See how the combine shakes I, out. If he tears right. that I up. expect, yeah, I expect to see him uh, in the third round. But again, like I said, he could easily move himself up if things go his way. Well, I am going to change track on the wide receiver talk and talk with someone who is physically very different to Malachi Corley. Instead of being 5'11 and 210, this guy is 6'4 and 205. It is a man that we have somehow neglected to talk about because we keep overlooking him. My apologies to Brian. Thomas Jr., the other guy, if you will, at LSU. Finally, we talk about him a little bit. Here's the thing about this man. He went from, you want to talk about somebody who made a jump. He went from 31 catches last year to 60 catches this year, 1,000 yards, Mm -hmm. 15 touchdowns. He had three against Mm -hmm. Ole Miss, two against Arkansas, two against Florida. That's the thing. It's like this guy made plays against you know, against high-level teams. His his worst games were against Alabama and Missouri, which shouldn't surprise anybody. You know, it, it is what it is, right? So is that on him? Is that on his quarterback? Is that on the the matchup? Whatever. So it, it shows you that he still got, has some areas to work on. But the fact that he is the size that he is, and he clearly has speed, he is their deep threat guy. He's the guy that they sent down the field. And that's what I noticed. Like, he, he tracks the ball well. He's able to high point. 
Uh, he can run past defender uh, defenders. He's got a good stop and go. Good awareness uh, of being in the in the of where he's at. Saw a couple of good corner of the end zone touchdowns to him. Uh, it's clearly he's a deep threat. I have no concept of what kind of route tree this guy can run because I feel like all they do is he's not quite Jalen Hyatt from last year, but it seems like a lot of what they did with him was say, hey, just just go run deep. We do a stop and go, or just do a go, or or do a slant, or do a not a slant, but do like a post or whatever. So it's like I don't know. If he can do more, I'm not sure that the teams would necessarily need him to do more in the NFL, but uh, at the size that he's at, the production that he had, again, 15 touchdowns is a very good sign when you're a wide receiver in college. So he's someone that I'm going to look into a little more to see, because if he has a more complete route tree, that's going to be crazy. At 6'4 and 205, you can bump him up another 10 pounds by the time he gets to the NFL at the level they're going to be doing things at. He's an interesting matchup going forward, and I still think he is a tier below the top guys, but maybe he's in the conversation for that, you know, eight to 12 range wide receiver and a team's going to get him in the third round. And he might, you know, be somebody that we're talking about as a potential rookie of the year, depending on the situation he gets into. And if they use him properly, like a guy like Anthony Richardson would love to have a player like him to just toss the ball up to. So we'll see what happens. Speaking of Anthony Richardson, man, you just, you keep setting me up for these seamless segues here. Okay, so I'm going to talk about a guy here. I don't he he's on one of my more, you know, liked teams if you will. He wasn't on my radar, Dan, and this team mm-hmm. was not was not good, and I wouldn't say that this guy like wowed me in stats, but man, I the notes that I wrote down on this guy's some of the plays he makes, I'm like this guy's a freaking Harlem Globetrotter. <laughs> Like, do you? I don't even know how to say his last name perfectly, but Ricky mm-hmm. Persil, Persil from Florida. Sure. Sounds good. Wide receiver. Dude, this guy's maybe 6'1, maybe like 200 or something. Plays way bigger than that. Mm-hmm. He's got some shake. He'll juke the doors off. You go, go to, go to YouTube and click his highlight reel. Wait till you see the one. I forget the. Forget who it was that he played, but dude, he does this OBJ catch where he just jumps <laughs> to the moon over top of a guy, one hand. Like you can see him just like, just totally. The ball's not going anywhere. His hands and fingers, his catch is so strong. He's a transfer from Arizona State. He mm-hmm. was there for two years, didn't do like anything. Last year in Arizona State, got some playing time. Had 48 grabs for about 600 yards and four touchdowns. Got got involved in the run game too. Then he transfers to Florida. Only had 33 catches for like, you know, almost 700 yards. So he's hitting them at like 20 yards a clip for five touchdowns, mm-hmm. still involved in the run game. This past year, his fifth year, 65 catches, so his best season, almost got to 1,000, almost 15 yards a clip, still got about the same amount of touchdowns. He's not a touchdown machine, but um, I don't know, man. Like, he he's one of those guys where you like when you watch him and you're just like how how can you not like this guy? <laughs> Did you look it up? Were you sure. looking it up while I was on the phone? I wasn't looking up the highlights. Uh, I was looking at I know which I know which one you're talking about. That's the one where he like backhand stabbed it in the air as he was tumbling away. It was insane. It was yeah, one of the catches gonna, of the year. Dude, I don't know. You're gonna watch this it again guy right just, now. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna have to pull it up. But he, I well, just so I looked really, at his Go ahead. Go ahead. I, 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 I just really his, like the way he plays I'm football. And... <laughs> yeah. Do it. No, yeah, I know you like the way you play football. Uh, the thing about him that I find interesting is, is one of the things PFF does is breaks down where guys are lining up. And in the last three seasons, 
he did about a third slot, two thirds slot, two years or two two years ago was a third slot, two thirds wide. Last year was two thirds slot, a third wide. This year was about sixty forty slot wide, which means this guy can line up anywhere, and that's encouraging. Are you, are you show? Yeah, I know you're showing me yeah, this. Oh, you weren't watching. Though. I was talking. I've seen the catch. I know what I know what it is, dude. You gotta watch it again. Love the show. That catch. I have seen him twist over wow. in the back of his arm and then catch it with someone about to land a blow on the man. Like it was My crazy. Goodness. It was like Spider Man out there. The dude's the dude's gotta be tested for something. I don't know. He's got some stick on those gloves. But yeah, I agree with you. Like that catch was insane. He showed that he has a huge catch radius. He shows that he has the ability to line up anywhere and make plays. Another fun guy that could come off the board later than maybe he'd like to be, but the team's going to get a steal. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see where he goes. I, he's going to be a fun pick. Fun, fun steal on draft day. But, Definitely. all right, go ahead. I, I'm going to apologize to all the guys after this, but I feel like I'm supposed to be doing mini dives, and I feel like I'm doing main <laughs> dives almost. You, you so definitely I'm gonna are zip, doing I'm gonna that. I'm going to zip it. Okay, we'll see what happens. Well, I'm going to do a weird dive on a guy that's listed at both wide receiver and tight end, and I feel like he's uh, the epitome of a tweener between the two, and that's a Ronda Gadsden the second. So, of course, remember his dad from the Miami days. But this is a guy mm-hmm. who's 6'5 and 223. And the reason why I don't have a ton to work off of this year is because he got hurt in the second game this season and was out for the year. He had six catches against Colgate for 57 and a touchdown. But last year, the man had 61 grabs for almost 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. And again, at 6'5, 223, they were playing him a lot at tight end. He's definitely not a tight end. But he's a guy that if you put 10, 15 pounds on him and he keeps his mobility, you could have him come in and play a little bit of tight end for him. Uh, he definitely is really good at finding spots in zones, at sitting down a spot. So he strikes me as a guy that even if you have him as a wide receiver, he's going to be like a weirdly oversized slot guy. Like, I don't think he's a guy who's going to burn down the field. I don't think he's a guy who's going to be your true outside one. But you line him up, he's going to be a weird matchup for a lot of different teams. But that's also why he's not going to be a first-round draft pick. He's probably going to be a second-round draft pick. He might not even be a third, right? But he's going to be someone who gets drafted in the back half of the draft. He, he seems like he's good at improvising routes when the stuff breaks down. Uh, he can do out routes. The guy can, can make breaks. I mean, so it seems like he's a relatively complete receiver, He's just weirdly sized for whatever position you're going to use him for. So it's really going to come down to how a team wants to use him. And if they use him as a split tight end, more or less, like Kyle Pitts, you know, like the homeless man's version of Kyle Pitts kind of thing, it could be a great fit. But again, he's he's such a weird size. He's about a wide receiver's size, but you use him in a different way than you would a normal wide receiver that's his size. It's kind of funky. Wide receiver number three here, Dan. Uh, maybe it's because of his last name, but maybe this I just expect this guy to look more fast. But Jamari <laughs> Thrash from Louisville, transferred from Georgia State. Um, not the biggest guy here, so I, you know me, I always have a little bit of concerns with some of the smaller guys. He's six foot if he's lucky. He's one eighty ish if he's lucky. Um, it's an interesting take because. Sometimes he looks like he's fast and sometimes he doesn't. But I mean, a lot of like his big plays, like it's really interesting to see because he just seems like he gets like this extreme amount of separation. And I don't know how he does it because it's not with speed, mm-hmm. it's not with size, it's not with strength. Maybe like, it doesn't even feel like he's like an incredible route runner. I feel like he's just like a jack of all trades ish if you will where he's fairly good at everything but great at nothing type thing and right sometimes it works out but i mean at the end of the day you know especially if you go back to the last year at georgia state where he's you know 
61 catches for over 1,100 yards. That's, you know, 18 yards plus a clip, seven touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Comes to Louisville to try to prove he can do it there. Didn't do what he did at Georgia State, but 63 grabs for 850 yards and six more touchdowns. I mean, he proved that, you know, he can play football at the next level. He'll definitely be one of those, you know, probably, I don't know, around what do you think? He's probably like wide receiver, like number twenty-five in this draft, which sounds <laughs> terrible. But right, in but some drafts, he's probably drafted. like a yeah, he's like borderline a top 12, 15 wide receiver in some of these drafts. Sure. But I don't know. This is a guy that I just I want to do the mini dive on him because I see enough on tape, but I can't really speak to how or why he could produce what he did. Mm-hmm. And I want to see him at the combine, and you know, in bowl games, and see what I can see. I, I need, right. I need to see more of them. There's something sure. there. I just don't know quite what it is yet. Well, what I find I don't interesting know how much too, thrash tape you've seen, but yeah, right. I haven't thrashed through it yet. Uh, nah. What I find interesting, yeah, like that, what I find interesting too, looking at his like some of the deeper, you know, cuts into the numbers is he had the same number of catches basically as last year, right? He had a roughly the same reception percentage, but the yardage was down. But I look at his yards after the catch, and it was the same. So he had a shorter depth of target here for Louisville. I don't know why they, they ran his routes shorter than they did against Georgia, uh, Georgia State, but that's kind of a weird thing. But again, the point is he still caught the ball as well. He caught pretty much as many touchdowns, and he did the same damage after the catch. So it's weird that they had his, his yardage be his depth of target be different. But, yeah, he's an intriguing guy. So, yeah, a fun one to, to definitely dig into a little more. Last one before we take a little beer break, and I can talk about that thing you've been making faces about the whole day so oh far. Oh my gosh! I don't even know I what it's called. One, to be honest with you. Uh, well, it's just oh my gosh. I think it's the name, but uh, I got one yeah. more guy to talk about, and that is a player from Yale, one of the Bulldogs. And it's Kieran Amagaje. Probably screwed that up. Uh, but anyway, this is a tackle that a lot of people have been looking at as that next tier, if you will, down around the the, the top ed- edge of the top twelve ish if you will, uh, when it comes to a tackle that some people have been saying could be, you know, a lot better than everybody else is, is making them out to be. And it's it's definitely funky because when you look at what he did and how he did it and where he's going with things, right, uh, it's definitely not somebody that I expected to be talking about like this. Uh, and again, obviously, it's, it's interesting trying to find tape on a guy from, uh, from the... Uh, the Ivy League, and definitely a guy that I think has been really putting himself in conversation to be drafted. And that's the thing. It's like, I don't think he's transferring anywhere. From what I can tell, he is going to be entering the NFL draft. Uh, But that's the question. I mean, what exactly are you getting yourselves into with a guy who played Ivy League? Yes, he played left tackle in the Ivy League, but I mean, he, he threw up basically an 82, according to Pro Football Focus. He's 6'5". He's almost 320 pounds. So he's played well, if you will, in the time that he had. And they talk about him being athletic. He definitely stays with blocks. He's got strong hands, which you can see. And he climbs levels. He'll get to the second level if he needs to. And the one thing I will say for him, the little bit of tape I got to watch is he actively seeks out blocks. You know, some guys, when they're, when they're linemen, they'll just kind of stand there and sort of wait for something to come to him, he he kind of pops up, like the initial thing like you do, and then within a second, he's like, okay, I'm going to go find somebody. You know, if it's like, if there's no one to block, I'm going to find somebody to block. And so I appreciate the uh, the enthusiasm it seems like he has at that position. Yeah, I still don't necessarily see where he's going to slot in, even in the top 10, because like we've talked about, this is such a deep tackle class. 
but he certainly has the ability to be someone that gets picked up in the middle of the rounds and then is starting just about day one because of his, uh, it seems like his athleticism and flexibility. He's a guy that we need to do a little more work on and definitely I'm going to be curious to see how he does at the combine. Halftime break, little beer action. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I cut out JP's noises that happen on the other side because maybe they, they seem like to be distracting. Not going to do it for this one. All right, bud. What beer are you drinking that has absolutely just turned your world upside down today? Well, I was having trouble, like I said, finding anything Clearly. new that I hadn't had from out of the state of Michigan lately. That's new, you know. I found mm-hmm. one from Texas from 903 Brewers here. Mm-hmm. I bought like this guys. because of I bought this because of you, Dan. <laughs> nice. So this is your fault. I'm I'm willing to take the blame for this. I saw this beer and I heard your voice in my head go, "Ooh, that sounds fun." <laughs> it is a peanut butter chocolate chip rice crispy cream ale. Yes, that sounds delicious. Uh huh. It doesn't taste delicious, does it? Um, I get no chocolate on this, which I'm not oh. mad about. Okay. I don't get peanut butter. I get like a old, dusty, roasted nut taste on this. <laughs> no. I get Sad. I get the cream ale, but then I get like that just basic, like Pilsner lager, like bad, like domestic oh, type beer finish on it, where it's just got that weird bitty bittery like malty like aftertaste mm-hmm. and i don't i don't it's, that's okay and all but like when you've got all this going on in a beer how can some of this be missing and how could it finish so poorly that's a bit I of a mean, bummer it literally is a cream ale flavored with peanut butter chocolate and marshmallow mm-hmm. um nothing in this really reminds me of a rice crispy at all i mean i, I get the cream <laughs> ale I mm-hmm. get like a roasted nut, not peanut butter, and mm-hmm. I get a weird lager like Pilsner aftertaste. I don't know. That just seems like a miss. Like it should have been good and it just wasn't. Oh, and that's even a fun can. Guys with beards, it should have been good. Oh, yes. we've had good things from them in the past, so I'm going to chalk this up as a as Maybe a weird this one is a skunky maybe. can. Could be. And who knows? Maybe they made it last year and didn't tell you, but yeah. So that that's a bit sad. It is because, you know, I wanted to like it. I really did. And I'm really glad that I got to see you experience it. uh, Well, I bought two from them. So I'm going to quickly now finish the rest of this one. And maybe at the end of the show, I'll do a quick take. (laughs) Because the other one, it seemed, I heard myself say, ooh, that sounds fun in my voice. Oh, all right. Well, then we definitely have to talk about that one at the end of the show. So for right now, will you finish that up and and get that taste out of your mouth? I'm going to sit here and watch. Yes. I was open for a weird head shake. (sighs) It was uh, a weird head shake for those of you listening. Of that. Oh, that Ooh. makes me happy. So my beer that I grabbed is the from Fat Orange Cat, which I've got to imagine is a distiller, a brewery rather, that said, you know what? It's going to cost us way too much to license Garfield, so we're just going to call it Fat Orange Cat. Uh, and the beer is called You Had Me at Meow, which is just, you know, delightfully hilarious in its own right. And this is a beer that I said in my head sounds like fun to try. You, sir, probably wouldn't enjoy it too much. It is a sour ale with Karuba and Mandarin. But I'd be like willing to try style. it over what I just drank. Fair. I will give you that. It and made me make noises you. throughout the entire show. Mm-hmm. 
basically whoever's listening, every I time you hear that. me make a weird noise, it's probably me swallowing that beer. <laughs> Using your entire body to swallow that beer, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can tell you about the, you have me at Meow, it's exactly what you'd expect. It is a sour beer, but it's not too sour. It's definitely got the orange in there and the mandarin, the mandarin type of orange, which of course is a slightly different flavor from like the, the navel orange and stuff like that. So yeah, there you go. Number two for you. I'm still working on my pint. But I, 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 like I, gotta, it. I gotta get this out. Yeah, yeah, I gotta wash. exactly. Go ahead, have a, have a drink. Uh, the Karuba is an interesting flavor in here. I think it, it helps kind of mellow out maybe what could have been a little bit too tart. Uh, of a vibe from oh, the, oh. the orange, at least in my case, but I like it. So the You Had Me at Meow, definitely sour. I'd say it's like a, at least a three and a half because it's a, a sour that's not overly overly sour, and the orange is just delightful. So definitely a fan of this one. Are you enjoying the other one a little better? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this one's better for sure. Um, well, I think you would love this thing. It's a little, well, I'll save it. Okay. I can also give a, uh, I did have a, a couple last night when I was out at, uh, at Broadleaf. And did a little bit of a beer thing. Had a sour there as well, the Pabana, which is a, a passion fruit banana. Uh, I think one or two other flavors in there. So they did a nice job of, of getting that put together. And then also had Super Vortex there, uh, West Coast IPA that they had there. And it wasn't bad. It was a 325 for there. So again, this is our encouragement, especially this time of year. Go out, try some local beer at your breweries. Let's go on to the second half now, dude. Who do you have next for me? Are you still on offensive players? I was trying to check into this this crazy. I gave it a I gave it a two, my guy. I mean, that's Woo. still not that's still slightly complimentary from you. <clears throat> All right, let's get back on track here. Now that I'm getting my palate back on track, uh, I'm going to talk. This is a guy I talked about very early on in the process, and I believe at one point in time mm-hmm. I had him in my top six pack uh, okay. for D lineman. Um, you know, it's weird. I did. I did three quarterbacks. I did three wide receivers. I did three D linemen and three edge rushers. So I guess I'm just going to stick with that whole trend. Rock and roll, sir. So Dante Corleone, D lineman from Cincinnati. Okay. Six two three oh five. Like the size a lot. Um, I was intrigued with him pretty early on. Um. But you should look up his little PFF thing on it. Oh, I'm already working on it. I'm. I think he started out the season on fire, and then it was hard to see because I didn't see a lot of Cincinnati games. But I feel like he kind of maybe trailed off a like his. I'd say the he's the opposite of Sam Hartman. The middle of his season was like the meat as far as me being happiest. But it, like two of his first like five games, it seemed like is when he was really standing out to me, and then he kind of just drifted off. So. He's an intriguing mm-hmm. guy, and I wanted to do a mini dive on him because I think there's enough to work with there with his size and what he's, his ability and his athleticism to where he he's a developmental type D lineman that you could take on, on day three and, you know, a year or two down the road, you could find yourself like with a hidden gem here. I, I can see the, the ability in him, but I just don't mm-hmm. think he's put it all together. What is PFF telling you, sir? Well, they tell me that he's got an 83.6 this year. He had a 93.8 last year. Of course, last year they were in Damn, the they AAC. Really like not, well, again, they, he was AAC last year, not uh, Big 12. So his Big 12 year was still a solid year. Uh, and he doesn't have a ton of the counting stats because this dude's just a big old boy who's not going to get mm-hmm. you the, the tackle numbers, the sack numbers. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not the back of the football space. card guy. No, he's eating space, and uh, he's definitely a nose tackle. He's been an A-gap guy pretty much his entire season. He did 10 snaps. 
against Oklahoma State, not in the A-gap, but otherwise that's pretty much where he lived. Uh, he does have two coverage snaps this year, which has got to be hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, maybe he's well, grabbing a that's... running back or something. Who knows? But yeah, yeah. I think that that tracks pretty well. Like, so this is a guy that you aren't. Gonna... He only had like three sacks too, so it's well, like he's again. not stuffing this thing. Well, that's the thing. You're not you're not expecting him to, because at 320 pounds and and six two, this is not a guy who most likely has the shiftiness to get upfield. He's going to be a guy who sits there and says, "Put two dudes on me, because you ain't gonna block me with one." And I'm going to take up half of your line. What are you going to do? Yeah, he's he's definitely a space filler. You stick him in the middle and make everybody go around. And also we'll at uh, his he's size, he's still intriguing to me. Yeah, he wears the number two. He used to wear 58, but yeah, he did. You gotta uh, he did love. go big fella to little number. You gotta love the big fellas wearing the little numbers. It's hilarious to me. Big fella wearing a big number. Tate Ratledge for the Georgia Bulldogs sticking the interior just on the offensive side of the ball he's a guy that a lot of people have put up in the conversation with one of the top five interior offensive linemen believe it or not at least the guard side of things and so that's someone that i had to look into a little more and here's what i can tell you the little bit that i did see uh, he does anchor well he, he definitely is somebody who uh, is capable of climbing to the next level what i liked about him was he sees the switches so if a team's doing a stunt he's going to pass off the guy to the tackle so he's not going to hold with him and give the whole for the guy stunting, and it does seem like he sees plays quickly. So I'm he's a guy that I want to look into more because he does seem like he is one of the better guard prospects coming out this season. He is very much a guard. I don't know that you're going to play him anywhere else in the line. I don't know if he has the ability. Obviously, he didn't have to with Van Pran there. Didn't really have to do anything at center. I don't know if he has that ability, but he's definitely a plug-and-play guard, and I think you can get him uh, maybe even in the third round and have yourself somebody that can start day one depending on your offensive line and what you're what you're looking at so tate ratledge early reviews definitely a fan yep i was a fan of him i believe i mentioned him maybe i did a little mini dive on him before he had a chance to get there i'm not sure but i feel like i I talked about him could have been one of our million conversations off air who knows (laughs) um so again staying with these d linemen but this guy he also is intriguing because I bet if you went and looked him up on PFF, he's probably got some snaps on the outside. This guy, you can find him listed anywhere from 260-something to almost 300, and that is <laughs> Jordan Birch, an Oregon player. And believe it or not, Dan, I think I actually like Dante Corleone more than I like Jordan Ooh. Birch. Look at that. That's an okay. Oregon guy. Apparently, I've been obsessed with them this year. But here's the thing. So I watched Birch a lot of Jordan Birch. as an edge guy. What's his, what's his weight, though? Six six two ninety. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. Well, either way, whether he's six six two seventy or six six two ninety, either way, he's on the edge. He's only got six sacks, I think, and mm-hmm. I'd be willing to bet that he's got like half as many hurries or is like a, a Braylon Trice. So sure. I don't know if this guy's playing out of position. Mm-hmm. Maybe he could be more impactful if he was just full time interior D lineman. I right. don't know. He stood out to me early on in the season, but that wasn't because of him. Like I was mm-hmm. watching Oregon for their offensive players, let's be honest, and then out of nowhere, Brandon Dorless started standing out to me, and then I couldn't help but notice Birch as well. But by the end of the year, like, nope, I'm sorry. Nobody's watching Birch on there. It's the <laughs> Dorless show. But he's right. still, dude, there's still something to work with there. Like he, he seems like a pretty solid player, Definitely mm-hmm. another developmental guy, but I wanted to bring him up for exactly what we've been talking about. It'll be curious to see what happens with him at the combine, whether he works out with the D linemen or the edge rushers. 
if he works out with the edge rushers, I don't know how great it's going to go for him. He's mm-hmm. not going to be testing as well as everybody else. Right. He needs to accept the D-line, and we'll see what happens. And again, be a penetrating defensive tackle. There's nothing wrong with that. Those guys are doing just fine. The guy who's not a penetrating defensive tackle is a fire-up chip, and that's Jacques Bristol, who has kind of been somebody that we've more or less talked about a little bit, it feels like, uh, as Central Michigan fans, not as, you know, just as this podcast, for years. And the reason why is this dude's been playing for years. And so when you look at what he's done and how he's done it from a 6'1", 300-ish pound guy, uh, he's... He's got five sacks this year, which is which is complimentary, obviously for a player that's coming in trying to uh, to make a, a move to to be considered at that level. But he's been playing. He's got five years worth of stats. Admittedly, uh, the 2020 season didn't do a ton because no one did. Uh, but he's had three sacks. He's had four sacks. He's had four sacks. He's definitely a space eating kind of guy who can give you a little bit of push up the field. But the big thing that I noticed, like this, this is a guy who likes to shove, likes to shove people around. He's definitely got a thick body. He is not your svelte, you know, like ripped defensive uh, tackle at his size. Even he is thick at six one and two ninety five. Uh, he's got five sacks though from the interior, so he knows how to do something there. But the one thing I did notice watching him, at least the tape against Western Michigan, he does get swallowed up at times. Like he is not going to command two blocks. And have the and still hold his ground. He's just not that kind of player. So if you use him correctly, he could be a nice pickup later round guy. He's definitely going to be a day three player at this point. But uh, I just had to give him a little bit of love because he's a CMU guy that seems like he's got decent measurables. And uh, and again, when you look at the you know the PFF numbers, he had an 82 this year, so he obviously is doing something right according to them. But uh, he had five different games where he had at least a sack and 31 pressures from the interior is is not terrible. So it's definitely somebody that we'll keep an eye on and see how he tests when it gets to the combine. All right. Third and final D lineman here. Um, I chose Tonka Hemingway, and I apologize. I think I've been saying mostly where these guys are from, but uh, don't know for sure. He is a South Carolina Gamecock, sir. Uh, okay. This is the this is a big fella. This is number nine. Name Tonka. You better be a truck. You, you better be big. But the thing is, is he just looks big. He really isn't all that big. When mm-hmm. you look at him, it looks like he's like six three, like three twenty five, maybe three thirty. Then maybe he is, but he's listed as six three, like two eighty five, most commonly. Mm-hmm. But um, the I put him on the list for a very specific reason. I have seen this guy ranked as high as a day two pick to all the way down to like a seventh round pick. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to dig into him, and I'll tell you what, I, I've seen games where it, you could it, both those narratives are true. <laughs> like I, I, from the highlights I'm watching, I, I'd seen games where it's like, dude, he did nothing to impress me whatsoever, and then I saw a few games in there where I was like, okay, this guy's fun. Like he's fun to watch. Like he's a fun player. Like I don't know. I don't know. Like he, I think he's gonna have to be a guy that I just zip it a little bit early on here, and maybe he'll have to be a deep dive later on because mm-hmm. I, I like doing the dives where that you can see different sources just be completely all over the board with those guys and figure <laughs> out where I stand. You know what I mean? Sure. And what's funny is most times, you know, and it might seem like the cheap route, but it might be somewhere in the middle. Like literally, if I had to guess, I'd say I'd put him down as a a fifth round pick. To me, I've seen an 
you know me, and here, here's where I'll end a take on him. Like, if I see a guy do some things that I know other people can't do at any position, like, okay, now I know his ceiling. If I can sure. coach him into doing that consistently, then I've got something here. I know that he's capable of this. How often? I don't know. That's kind of up to me and up to him and whatever effort he's willing to put in. So I guess a lot of it goes right. into the character evaluation of the guy. Mm-hmm. If he seems like he's a hard worker, seems like he loves football, and I've seen what he can do, then, yeah, take your shot at him. But I I, I could see where he's a very late-round pick, and I could see where maybe he could be a day-two pick. So we'll, we'll see. There you go. Well, next guy on my list is someone that you've been hounding me to talk about because we've talked about his uh, – his D is it a wide receiver? mate, it is not a wide receiver. Okay. Oh, shoot. I got so many people many of those. throwing at you. I know, right? This is a D, man, we talked about his D line mate. Now we didn't really like his D line mate, and uh, maybe this is this guy's better. I don't know. Uh, he's got nine sacks on the year. His name is Adiza Isaac, and he is a Penn Aha. State Nittany Lion. The Nittany and Lion, my guy. We noticed him. Well, not my Michigan. guy. I was just right, curious. No. Yes, I noticed him. But yeah, we noticed him against Michigan. He obviously didn't have, uh, he didn't have any sacks, but he definitely put some. Uh, more pressure on that it felt like he did with what he had to work with uh, in that game. But here's the thing about him. And again, I didn't get a chance to watch any tape necessarily, but you look at the numbers. He went up from four sacks last year to nine sacks this year in about 150 fewer snaps, 130 fewer snaps. So what you're telling me is you're getting more production or similar production in certain areas on fewer snaps. That is something worth talking about. Yes, you can say he had Chop Robinson opposite him. And so maybe he didn't get as much attention. Maybe he was going against you know, the uh, the easier side of the line or whatever, but they flip-flopped him around. And at 6'4", 254, he very much feels like a 3'4", outside linebacker kind of body. He's not, I don't see him as an edge rusher. I see him as a linebacker that's going to bounce around a bit, you know? Uh, so I'm curious to see how he tests and what they do with him and how they use him because he feels like somebody at 6'4", 254, he could be an all-time pass rusher, but it doesn't seem like that's how they're going to use him. Uh, so definitely curious to see how he comes forward with that. But he was part of uh, a really good tandem of guys that they created havoc in the backfield. He didn't have quite the same PFF numbers, if you will, as what uh, Chop did. Uh, and that's partially because his pass rush was was good but not great, even with nine sacks. And so definitely curious to see how everything goes for him when we get to combine time. My understanding is he's going to be around, but uh, that's also because I haven't looked too deeply into uh, everybody who's going to be in some of those later bowl games, they haven't made all of the uh, the choices yet on whether or not they're going to go bowling or if they're going to uh, take a a day out. Uh, he is going to be in the senior bowl, though, so or whatever you're going to call the bowl, to at least be able to get to see that. Uh, and it looks like he does say he is going to be playing in the Peach Bowl, but who knows if he's going to make that different a, a change in that call here coming up. So we'll get a couple more cracks at seeing him. So um, the hope is that Chop won't play, and so we can see what he can do without having somebody else taking attention away. Well, like I say, I got another three-pack for you, if you will. I'm going all edge rushers this time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm going to start with JT Tui Maloau. I feel like I crushed that. <laughs> We've talked about him a couple times. I know we have, but I had to talk about him again. I'll probably talk about him again. Damn. Yeah, of course. I'm sure we've referenced that we often use for our mock drafts the draft order we get it from Tankathon, right? Sure, right. I think for the longest time, ever since like we've used it, when I just happen to accidentally see like their mocks, because I don't like to be overly influenced by anybody else, dude, they've always got this guy in the first round. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times he's going to the Lions. And I <laughs> promise you this isn't because he's a Buckeye, but dude... 
I'm sorry. Like, if okay, so he's listed as an edge rusher, sometimes a D lineman. If mm-hmm. he's an edge rusher, guess what? He has got no business being anywhere near <laughs> the first round because he, he doesn't an play football. He's not a rusher. He does. He does <laughs> not play football like an edge. He doesn't rush nothing. He's, no, he's, he's like, come on. He does not play football like that. And if either way. If he's an edge rusher, I don't even know that he's a day two pick in my mm-hmm. book. Um, if he's a D lineman, he's still nowhere near my top six D lineman. Mm-hmm. I'm taking, dude, I'm taking Newton, obviously, above him. I, I, I'm taking Taylor above him, taking both the Texas boys above him. I'm taking Dorless above him. Like, there's, there's no way. This guy, he's got no business mm-hmm. being in the first round. I'm not saying it's because he's a Buckeye, but I'm just saying. If he goes to a D lineman, I think he'll have a better career. Mm-hmm. But there's no way. There's no way. His statistics don't <laughs> back anything up. His tape doesn't back mm-hmm. anything up. I'm sorry. I don't know. You. He I needs guess to I go. Could, if he's going to play edge, he needs to go to a team like Detroit, which is sad because I don't want him there, but that has a dominant pass rusher opposite him. Because he's not a rusher. He'll get his hands up. He'll knock passes down. He'll be active. He will stuff the run. He will set the edge. But he's not a pass rusher. So if you expect him to do that for your team, you're going to be disappointed. And I was thinking he'd have to go somewhere the opposite as Detroit. Someone that runs like a more traditional 3-4. Right. I could see him as a 3-4 edge. Sure. But, like, I I don't know. I might have to request you you watch some tape and tell me what you think. He's been oh, no, locked in the first round. There's no business being there. As as long as you don't expect him to actually rush the quarterback, you'll be okay with him. <laughs> Jeez, Pete's all right. Carry um, on. And that's what it is, right? So I'm going to slide over, and uh, i got three players left. And these are three guys that we haven't talked about at all. Uh, well, at least uh, two of them this year. And it's a man that I'm I'm only putting in here because PFF has got him rated as like the the fourth best linebacker according to their ranking right now. And uh, even the the mock draft database has him as like the seventh best linebacker. And he's a guy that we have not paid any attention to. And he is the third rated linebacker on his team when you look at how PFF scored him. But at any rate, this is a man called Marist Liufau, is how I'm going to say his name. (laughs) Notre Dame linebacker, 6'2", 239. And I have to imagine is just somebody that people fall in love with for the crazy hair. He's kind of Troy Polamalu-esque a little bit. Uh, he, you know, he had fun. five sacks, you know, he just lines up he lined up in pass rush. He lined up in coverage. He's, he's, they bounced him all over the formation. So he shows that versatility, uh, to be able to line up wherever you need him to line up and make plays. No interceptions, only like one pass breakup, which is whatever. I mean, you're not expecting a time from a linebacker anyways, but just overall, um, I don't know. And I got to do, I didn't get a chance to watch any tape on him, but I've got to do that because obviously scouts are seeing something with this dude and how he plays the game. I'm looking at this and seeing someone who I don't know why people are as impressed with us there. So I got to put some effort into this guy. But I'm curious. He's on our radar now. I may have to make him a deep dive just to put it to rest so I can understand this. I mean, the guy in his three seasons uh, working at Notre Dame has had 51 tackles last year, 44 this year, three sacks. But he's not a tackle machine. He's not a sack machine. He's not a coverage machine. So I don't know, dude. I'm very curious to look into him more and see why people are hyping him at where they're at currently right now on all the mock draft stuff. Well, I well, I kind of sort of looked into that guy, and I agree with your take 100%. Um, but I, I, sir, 
I'm going to have to stick with Ohio State here. You. Yep. Well, I was already looking at a JT, so I had to look into Jack Sawyer. Um, sure. It's weird because JT <laughs> on tape looks like he's more of a productive player than Jack Sawyer, but you can mm-hmm. always see the ceiling with Jack Sawyer a lot more. And I don't know, maybe it's because when they got him as a recruit, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be like the next freaking Bosa. Here mm-hmm. we go. Got to look forward to him for the next three years. But um, I don't know. I know you've talked about him before. It's weird because you can see all the the physical tools. And, like, on paper, this mm-hmm. guy is a great edge rusher, but he just doesn't seem to get it done. <laughs> and it's weird that you sure. can see the athleticism and the strength and all that on tape, but it doesn't ever develop into anything. He seems like mm-hmm. he's almost there to clean up a lot of plays rather than to make them. You know, not ideal, not ideal. And, you know, I keep, I hear things that he's a guaranteed lock to be a second round pick. And maybe it's for the traits. Uh, maybe it's for that ceiling. But like, I, I look at this guy and maybe the third round, but I, I see mm-hmm. him. He's a day three pick too. Like I, like I said, I think I just did the take, the take on JT. And I think that I think he's he's probably a little better, but I think they're different positions. I think Sawyer actually is an edge rusher. <laughs> sure, but well, Sawyer, I don't know. You got to look into these Ohio State boys and tell me what you think. See if I'm crazy. I'm not being biased on this. No, but here's I feel what I like can I'm not. tell you: this is a guy who had a 90 this year from PFF. They really like him, but he's also only had 30 total pressures and five sacks, nine hits, uh, and that's the question mark because in 549 snaps. He generated and okay. Let's let's say 262 pass rushing snaps. He generated 30 total pressures. So he's a hair over 10 percent of his snaps pass rushing. He created a pressure. So just for posterity's sake, you know, just to have a little bit of fun here, I'm gonna pull his numbers. Again, this is all PFFs. This is all just straight analytics. It's not necessarily right, wrong, or otherwise. Uh, but between him and Braylon Trice, now Braylon Trice had about 200 more pass rushing snaps. So I will give him that. He had 70 total pressures in 466 versus 30 in 262. So the percentage is still higher there for Braylon Trice. Uh, the one thing I will say is he converted those pressures into five sacks, whereas Trice only had Trice only had the six sacks. But that's the thing. It's like he seems like he might be able to get there, and I think a team is going to see him and say, we can make something out of him. If that's you can get him like there, then you – Yeah, I thought Sawyer was going to be fantastic. I just hadn't right. seen it yet. Right, and that's kind of what it feels like, is a team is going to talk themselves into him in the third or fourth round, uh, probably the third round, uh, and be and be curious to see what they can get out of him. But he's a guy well, who's he's going to go today, too. Yeah. Based on what everything I'm reading, I just, I, I'm not convinced he should. Sure. Yeah. And we've been wrong on that before, but it's an, as an Ohio State Buckeye, I'm willing to take a chance that we're right. <laughs> so we'll see what happens with Sawyer. I'm going to go back to Tennessee for my second to last player, and that's Jalen McCullough. He is a safety. And he is a guy who's played a lot of snaps in his time at Tennessee. He's been a five-year starter off and on at Tennessee. And here's what I can tell you. He was atrocious in his first full-on season because he kind of was, I'm going to say he wasn't a starter his first two years. He was a solid role player his first two years. He had a 49 from PFF in 2021. But then he had a 69 last year at an 83 this year. So this is a guy who's continued to get better. His coverage grades continued to get better. His tackling has gotten better. Every aspect of his game has improved. And at 6'206", with especially as muddled of a safety class as we have this year, 
there's a chance for him to sneak up into that top half of you know the top 10, 12 safeties when you look at at who could be jockeying for a position. Especially because in this year. Exactly. That's the point. I mean, when you look at between Bullock, Newbin, Bullard, Kinchins, Bishop, all the other guys that are there, nobody says, I am going to take over the safety class because they have different strengths in different areas. McCullough looks like someone who could Unless quietly be. Unless ends up being oh, exactly. a Right, He's exactly. Like, I, I own you. That. Like, I <laughs> you, own you and your Cooper love. Uh, but when you look at where they had him line up, this guy lined up in the box quite a bit. He lined up at free safety quite a bit. He lined up in the slot quite a bit. So he doesn't have a ton of pass breakups. He's got a couple picks. He had three interceptions this year, gave him a couple touchdowns. So overall, this seems like a player you'll be able to get in the third, fourth round and could be a very solid contributor right away because he's used to playing snaps. This dude played 3,500 snaps in college. So he's a seasoned player ready to rock and roll. Uh, and he's going to be a pick that gets made in the middle rounds that people are going to be like, oh, this was pleasant. Well, I have got one last take, and I'm not going to lie. He's a guy that I didn't get to do a complete, complete, at least complete by my standards, mini dive on. Mm -hmm. But I saw enough to where I think I'm going to have to do a full dive on this player, Dan. Um, I don't think I've seen enough to where I think that He's going to challenge any of the top guys at the edge rushing position, mm -hmm. but he could be like one of those late round, like my guys, like I'm intrigued, okay. like my Yaya Diaby type guys. I'm not saying he <laughs> plays football like Yaya Diaby. I don't think he's mm -hmm. quite that uh, caliber of an athlete, but mm -hmm. Jasheen Davis from Wake Forest, going back to the Demon Deacons here. Mm -hmm. um, man, he's... When you, I like I said, I think I said this on a, a couple episodes ago, but when you watch the combine every year, they say where you draw up an edge rusher in a lab, the most common like height and weight for success is like 6'3", 250, somewhere in that ballpark, right? This guy's allegedly like 6'3", 259, 260. Yep. Um, he, does, he, he looks like he's a very fit. 260, which I like a lot. He moves mm -hmm. very well. He's athletic. He he played from the little bit of what I got to see. I didn't get to even watch full like highlight videos. It feels like he plays football with that edge, that nastiness, like that extra physicality. Um, his production was solid. Six, eight sacks, I want to say. Eight, I want to say like eight sacks and like 30 hurries. Somewhere in that ballpark. So, like I say, I met. I, I didn't get to do the complete thing on it. I, you know, I was running out a little bit of time on the notes here. But <laughs> out of all the guys I talked about today, I mean, Malachi Corley, I'm pretty darn interested in. You're right. Uh, this might be Malachi and Davis were probably my two favorite guys that I talked about mm -hmm. today, if that says anything. Yeah. Um, I'm very, very intrigued by him as a player. So, sure. that you will hear more about him from me. Yeah, I'm curious about him too because I see that he's got seven sacks, seven sacks, and eight sacks in the last three seasons, and that's some oh, that solid would back consistency. Up from, yeah, I, yeah, I, I like him. That. I'm, in, I'm mm -hmm. interested. Well, I am going to bring back up a name from the archives. This is a guy that we saw popping up on certain people's radars as a first-round draft pick coming in 2023, and he was going to be some kind of craziness. And we're like, who in the world is this, and why do they have him there? And now he's back up again. You know what I'm not hearing? I'm not hearing people talk about him as a first-round draft pick. Do you remember Max Melton of the Scarlet Knights last year? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Max Melton came back for another year, 
And it didn't go poorly, but he didn't make a leap is kind of where I'm coming from. Like, he, he, he graded out about the same that he graded out last year. Uh, he grabbed another three interceptions, which is great. We only had three pass breakups. So he's, his numbers were a little better. His penalties were a little bit higher. So it's one of those things where it's like he's, he's definitely a corner. There's no doubt about that. But his tackle numbers this year were rough. Now, part of it's it's hard to have a high tackle number as a, as a corner a lot of the time, uh, but he didn't tackle well. That was the biggest area where he dipped from last year to this year was was his tackling number. So that's a concern, depending going forward. But this is a six foot, 190-pound uh, corner that I think a lot of people expected to jump up and be one of the best. Now, he was, again, an all-Big Ten guy for two years in a row now. So he's got that going for him, but I am not convinced that he is as amazing as people think that he is. And he definitely needs to show better form with tackling to be able to prove to people he can make those kinds of plays. So I'm going to do a little more looking into Max Melton and see what I can see out of what he did this year for Rutgers. Because we know last year some people were hyping him, but I didn't see the production. So I'm curious to see what he did this year to improve upon what we weren't sure was there last year. So I'm definitely curious to see who starts hyping Max Melton again. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I'll have to, just because of the, the early season hype, I think I'm going to have to do a little mini dive on him myself just to see where I stand as well. Well, we're going to be doing that quite a bit over the course of the next several months as we are, you know, what, about four months and a week away from you know the NFL draft. So it'll be fun to see what comes out of all of the speculation that's coming forward. All right, JP, uh, before we sign off, I want you to give me the take on this other beer because it seems like you've made fewer noises in the last 20 minutes. I made a couple in there, I'm not going to lie, but these were the more enjoyable. They might have sounded the same, but they, these were <laughs> enjoyable ones. But, um, yeah, it's already been a long episode, so why not just keep this little overtime train rolling here? <laughs> so this one is called 903 Puff Puff Pineapple. Oh, okay. So this here, sir, is a pineapple and marshmallow-flavored India Pale Ale, which more specifically, I think, sips like a hazy ale. Sure, um, I believe that. I th- I definitely think it is border bordering on the too much pineapple for me because mm-hmm. I have always been I love fresh pineapple. I hate canned pineapple. I hate like cup pineapple, like cup, like where they put it with a weird <laughs> syrup in it. Sure, right. Mm-hmm. I hate pineapple candy. I hate pineapple fa- flavored things. I, I just don't. Stuff. It's weird. I absolutely Sorry, love fresh pineapple mm-hmm. and hate anything else that the, anyone has ever done with pineapple. <laughs> this here is my second favorite thing to do with the pineapple. Okay. Um, it, it's got, you can get the, I didn't know it was marshmallow until I read the can out loud. I thought this was another, <laughs> I, I didn't read the can per se. I mm-hmm. saw Puff Puff Pineapple and saw, I, I thought it was a, another like cream ale. But I get why I thought it was a cream ale like the previous mm-hmm. one because I was influenced by the cream ale in the last one. But the marshmallows made me think the cream ale. The marshmallow very much gives the cream vibe. It pairs right. very well with the pineapple, but it's an India Pale Ale, and you do get a little bit of those hoppy notes in here and like earthy undertones. Mm-hmm. So uh, some some hoppy earthy undertones with very much heavy pineapple with the cream ale vibe. I think you would enjoy the heck out of this. And now that I'm yeah. reading, it's hilarious that it's called Puff Puff Pineapple because they have written on the can that it pairs great with chicken nuggets, cheesy chips, and <laughs> making origami. I think they're suggesting something there, sir. I think they might be suggesting something, sir. Yeah, dangerous um, in the state of Texas. But hey, So this is why we try uh, beer. 
Sometimes this is good, a good sometimes one. Sometimes it's not. I was very upset. This one here, if I would give this, a, um, I give this a three and a half. Okay. I like this one. That's respectable. I would drink this one again. There you go. You wouldn't drink the yeah. other one again, just for the record. I will never drink that other one again. <laughs> I want to find one now just to see how bad it is in comparison to what you're saying. So there you go. That wraps us up with some uh, some mini dives. We're going to take a well, look in the NFL and see where teams are I, at. I, you I have one more thing to note on? I would love to say I'd go back and get you one, but the reason I bought it is because of your stupid little voice in my head and also the fact that it was the only one in the four-pack that was left. And it's like, ooh, other people have been grabbing it. It must be mm-hmm. good. No, or, I think other people grabbed it, and it's been sitting there for eternity. Exactly. Maybe it was rotting on the shelf. Okay, well, hey, look, we don't, we want to encourage you, though. Go out and try different beers. Just watch out for anything that might be a peanut butter rice crisp retreat. And uh, we'll get back on the football talk and give you some more stuff to look at next time. We'll be right back.